0: Growing up, one of my favorite childhood books, my favorite childhood book, was The Boxcar Children, a classic children's story written by Gertrude Warner. And this 1950 edition belongs to my dad, and it was his favorite book when he was a little boy. And when I was a child, I can't tell you how many times I read this book. I loved it originally written in 1924, that's been published many times, and additional stories have been added to the original boxcar Children story. But the classic story is about four orphaned siblings, Violet, Henry, Jesse, and little Benny, and they run away from their grandfather's very strict caregiver over a misunderstanding, and they make their home in a boxcar abandoned in the woods. Now, for those of you too young or maybe a little too urban to know, a boxcar is a railroad car that has sliding doors usually on both sides or at least one and it's used to carry cargo. And so a train going across the United States would have several boxcars linked together on that train. And often people would wait along the tracks and they would hop onto these boxcars to steal a ride to the next town or down the road. And even... Today, this still happens. In fact, some of the stories from a few in our shelter for the unhoused down in the gym have made their way to Jefferson City via the train system. Well, growing up, my dad loved this book, partly because he was fascinated by the trains that ran through his town, but also because his grandma, beloved Grandma Weaver, would, feel, uh, would feed the transients on the back porch of her house as they made their way to and from the train station. And it's not hard for me to imagine that little boy dreaming about jumping on those boxcars himself and traveling and seeing the world far beyond Paola, Kansas, with his grandma's best-known sugar cookies in his knapsack. Now, when I read it, I was fascinated by the story as well. And in the story, these orphan children, they discovered this abandoned boxcar out in the woods, and they make it their home. And it is difficult. It is outside the boxcar for them, if you'll permit me. It's not the way that they used to live their lives, and they face all kinds of challenges that require resourcefulness and creativity. And as a child, I was captivated by that. I loved how they came up with unusual ways to take care of their needs and do things in unexpecting ways. And one of those was when the little boy Benny was very upset that he didn't have a knife to spread butter on his bread. And his creative older sister said, you know what, Benny, we have a magic spoon. When you turn it the other way, it becomes a knife. Benny was enthralled, I was enthralled. I thought it was fascinating to look at things in a new way. Would you ever have thought to turn the spoon around and use the other end for a knife? I wasn't that creative. Well, in the boxcar children also taught me to appreciate the simplicity of, of life and to find joy in the small things. I think that's where my initial love for simplicity first came. This is a story in which their perspective begins to change as they experience life. And they see things in different and unique ways. The sibling learns how things and people are maybe differently than they ever thought, like their grandfather. Because of a misunderstanding about their grandfather, they come to realize actually through the truth that he is someone who loves them, who cares for them, and it's a place where they can belong. They learned that they had believed a false narrative about him, and when they looked at him in a new way, they saw truth. Are there people that we believe false narratives about today? Could relationships and divisions be healed if we were to open to looking in a new way at people who look or live or vote differently than us? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is the question Nathaniel asked his friend Philip about Jesus in our gospel text today from John. Now, if you feel bad that you can't remember a disciple named Nathaniel, don't worry Most people have trouble remembering him. He's not mentioned in the other three Gospels. Most scholars think that he and Bartholomew are the same person. But to be honest, whether Nathaniel or Bartholomew, this is the guy that trips us up in trivia when we're supposed to name the 12 disciples. You know, we don't see much of Nathaniel in scripture. And Nathaniel does not see much in this Jesus guy from Nazareth. Reflecting a local prejudice of the time against Jesus' home village, a, a small town not even mentioned in the Hebrew scriptures or other writings of that time period, so insignificant that it wasn't even named, Nathanael's skepticism is shared by others. We read later in the Gospel of John, people who say that how can the long-awaited Messiah come from such an insignificant place in Galilee. American psychologist Gordon Alport defines prejudice as this, a feeling favorable or unfavorable toward a person or thing prior to or not based on actual experience. Let's read that again. Prejudice, a feeling favorable or unfavorable towards a person or thing prior to or not based on actual experience. See, Nathaniel hadn't even met the man, but the fact that he came from a less than town of Nazareth told Nathaniel all he needed to know. He knew who had value and who did not. He knew who came from the wrong side of the tracks, or at least he thought he did. So when his friend Philip suggests that the one that they have been waiting for, the one who would be king of Israel, the Messiah, could come from such a place as Nazareth, Nathaniel thinks his friend has lost it. But instead of being offended, Philip responds to Nathaniel's prejudice by inviting him to come and see for himself. Philip really believes that an encounter with Jesus will help give Nathaniel a, a new way of looking. Nathaniel seems confident that a Messiah from Nazareth is out of the boxcar. Yet he goes with Philip when Philip says, "Come and see." I don't know about you, but I, you wonder why Nathaniel went with him. What convinced Nathaniel to go along with Philip to see this thing that he was sure could not be true? Perhaps he goes because of his friendship with Philip. Maybe that's enough. A few years ago, I discovered Turkish TV. Yes, you heard that right, Turkish TV. And it's a long story that I would be absolutely thrilled to tell you about at any time. But to keep a long story short, I have streamed hours of subtitled television from Turkish, language, Turkish people, and filmed in that country. And it's marvelous. And my close friends said, can anything good come from Turkish TV? And I said to them, come and see. And one of my friends humored me on my birthday as part of my gift and watched the first two-hour episode of one of my favorite shows, Delonai. And I'm happy to report that she was converted, and she binge-watched the whole show all on her own. And I've never been more proud. (laughs) Now, would she have ever watched Turkish television if it had not been for our friendship? I think not. It's really not something that we're familiar with or would give a try but our friendship led her to give it an experience and maybe that was Nathan's relationship with his friend maybe it was something about Philip he didn't know anything about Jesus and couldn't believe that something good could come from Nazareth but he knew Philip and so he was willing to come and see what Philip asked him to see maybe it was also Nathanael's curiosity perhaps under the layer of all the cynicism was just enough hope in nathaniel to make him curious maybe nathaniel had just enough interest in knowing if this could be true the god that he loved would have possibly answered finally the prayer for the messiah and so there was enough curiosity something there that even with arms crossed and eyes rolling nathaniel goes with philip to see this man from Nazareth. And so Nathanael does something that is in short supply these days, friends. He picks up his prejudices and he takes them for a walk with a friend that he doesn't agree with to see something he doesn't think is true. You know, there had to be some kind of openness, some kind of humility, even super small, for Nathanael to go and meet Jesus and then to respond to Jesus in the way that he does. See, when Jesus sees Nathanael approaching, he reveals things about Nathanael's character and what Nathanael has been doing, and that convinces Nathanael. We don't know for sure exactly why he said what he said or what all he meant in fullness, but what we do know is the effect of this on the skeptic who loved God but did not believe, could not believe that God would use someone from a town like Nazareth. Until he met him. And amazed by Jesus' powers of perception, Nathaniel, who was certain moments earlier that this could not be from God, quickly changes his tune and responds, "Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel." See, Nathaniel had been seen, and he saw. And now he believes. Somehow, Nathaniel heard something he was listening for and found something he was yearning for in Jesus of Nazareth. And even though it didn't make sense to him, even though the story didn't unfold like he anticipated, even though it was all outside the boxcar for Nathanael, he saw Jesus, not a man from Nazareth only, but the Son of God, the King of Israel. See, Nathaniel's first impressions were wrong. His prejudice almost made him miss God and how God was at work. Jesus challenges Nathaniel to see things and people in God in a new way. And Jesus continues to do that through all the Gospels. In the Good Samaritan story, in this parable, Jesus challenges the prejudices of the time by highlighting the compassion shown by Samaritan towards a wounded Jew despite historical animosity between their two groups. the story teaches us the importance of loving one's neighbors regardless of cultural or ethnic differences. In the story of the woman at the well, Jesus engages in a conversation with a Samaritan woman, breaking the cultural norms of the time. He challenges prejudices by treating her respectfully and revealing a spiritual great truths to her, even though she was a Samaritan and a woman, who were generally looked down upon in Jesus' time. He dined with sinners. Jesus dined with tax collectors and sinners, causing all kinds of criticism from the religious leaders of the time. And in response, Jesus states that he came not for the righteous, but for the sinners, challenging the idea that specific individuals were beyond redemption. He healed on the Sabbath. (gasps) Jesus heals a man's withered hand on the Sabbath, defying the strict Sabbath laws of the Pharisees. And this challenged their legalistic mindset and emphasized the value of compassion over rigid religious rules. And then the woman caught in adultery. When a woman caught in adultery is brought before Jesus, he challenges the crowd by saying, let any one of you who is without sin cast the first stone at her. And this challenges their self-righteousness and emphasizes the importance of mercy and self-reflection. In these instances and so many more, Jesus constantly challenged them and us against social norms and prejudices and legalistic thinking, encouraging people to be people of love and compassion and a broader understanding of faith. One person after another experiences a mysterious power in Jesus that comes from the moment that they encounter Jesus, just like Nathaniel. Father Bruno Barthart, the Catholic writer on spiritual life, says this, As we accompany Jesus through the Gospels, we are present at one dramatic meeting after another. One person after another experiences a mysterious power in Jesus that from this moment changes the course of their life. If we are fully present at the moment when we read such a narrative, we experience the liberating power of this awakening. When we encounter Christ, we are challenged to face our own prejudices and to embrace love and compassion and a broader understanding of faith. And for those of us who have encountered Christ, perhaps we could learn a thing or two from Philip, what it means not to talk at Nathanael, but to invite Nathanael to come and see and experience Jesus for himself. So, friends, who comes from Nazareth for us today? Where does prejudice exist in our lives and our hearts? Prejudice is based whether on person's background, appearance, behaviors, or belief can close us to the extraordinary work that God is doing, the ways that God is creating anew. Nathaniel's transformation because of Christ is a powerful illustration of God's ability to shatter the walls of prejudice. And when Nathaniel opened his heart to Christ, he experienced a revelation that caused him to experience a new way of looking. And often, like Nathaniel, we allow our preconceived ideas to limit our ability to recognize where God is at work, where God's divine presence is creating something anew. The story of the boxcar children teaches us that sometimes the answers to life's challenges are found in unexpected places and unexpected people. Where we see only an empty boxcar, God sees more. Where we see only a spoon, God sees more. Where we see an angry grandfather, God sees more. Where we see someone who comes from the wrong town, God sees more. When we see anyone and make opinions on them based on how they live or where they came from or the color of their skin, God sees so much more. And God expects us to see more too. When we follow Jesus, come and see changes to come to see. See, the call of discipleship is not only to come and see and encounter Christ, but to come to see the world around us in new ways, keeping our eyes and our hearts wide open to what God is doing in us and around us. So may we be more like Nathaniel, willing to think outside the boxcar because we've encountered Jesus. May we be more like Philip, inviting others to come and see and encounter Jesus for themselves. May we be more like Jesus, who sees and loves people as God sees and loves them. And may we become the -the out-of-the-box car children of our beloved God.